0: There we go. Hello. What is up, brother? Yo, yo, can you hear me good? I can hear you. Welcome, everybody, to the B-Team Podcast. I am Josh, and I am here with Brendan. Hello. We are here to discuss the rarely seen, rarely talked about 1974 Messiah of Evil. Oh, yeah. Um. So we're going to approach this how we usually do, and... I'm gonna say let's not go into spoilers yet because we'll we'll hit that chronologically. Uh, Brendan, how did you hear about this one?
1: Um, I believe I first heard about it through you, if I'm not mistaken. Um, knew pretty much next to nothing. Then you know, I left me a good LA theater trip, and Quentin Tarantino's theater was showing a brand new. 35 mm print of it and I was like hey let's see it let's see what this is all about and uh, that's how I came to see it and went in seeing it like w- literally knowing like not, all my information about the movie came from the poster mhm and uh, yeah that's how I came about seeing this for the first time
0: so I will uh I'll set the stage by saying this is a 1974 1974- Let's say surreal horror movie. Uh, and it comes to you from the people who did American Graffiti and Temple of Doom. Oh, and Howard <laughs> the Duck. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the story is we have uh, Mariana Hill, who's been in Star Trek, I think Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, a lot of that stuff, late 60s, 70s. Uh, she is playing a woman named Arletti who is on a quest to find her missing father who is like this uh, aristocrat slash scientist slash artist who's in the town of Point Doom and um, the town is overtaken by a mysterious fog under the cover of a blood moon uh, and the mystery unfolds. So basically Plot-wise, I mean, there's not a lot to say. It's definitely a atmospheric movie. It's a very surreal movie. Um, I I would think there's a number of movies it was influenced by, but I guess I can ask you this now. What were your thoughts on the movie overall?
1: Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, expectations were subverted. I just figured it'd be a, you know, standard, you know, there's straightforward plot characters etc etc um like you said very i mean this movie is this movie is a vibe um i remember i had messaged you after i saw it that it it kind of reminded me of full of the beyond mm-hmm. in terms of just like it creates this very very unique atmosphere where um as well as i mean if someone says they don't like it i, I mean i can get why um but but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it um beautiful cinematography in the movie um I really liked all the acting for the most part. I I, fi- I did find it interesting how uh I didn't recognize anyone in this movie except for uh the guy who's Charlie raised... probably, right? Yeah. I was like, wow, that that guy's from like I mean the Kubrick's the Killing. He's in like, I believe the Maltese Falcon.
0: He's in the Maltese Falcon, yep.
1: Um the big sleep I, I was like <laughs> did not expect to see uh I believe his name's Elijah Cook. Yep. Uh him in this movie playing such a weirdo role. <laughs> um that was that was interesting. Um I'm ass- I know you love this movie. I would be curious to like uh, I guess like I-, I really liked it. Um like knowing your taste, I'd be curious like um w- what puts this one so high for you? Cuz I know, you know, When I think of like you know a horror movie that because you have this pretty high up I know on like your seventies list and your just general all time list. Oh yeah, definitely. This one is uh,
0: number two on my seventies list. Oh wow, wow. Um, so I mean, there's a basically a a subgenre of movies we we haven't talked about. So I guess we'll we'll give away the plot at this point because the alternate titles for this movie are. The original, Return of the Living Dead, and just dead people. Uh, <laughs> it is a vampire movie. But much like From Dust Till Dawn, which I can definitely see Tarantino was influenced by this one, we don't really find that out pretty much until the third act, almost the very end. Um, there are some occurrences throughout. There's some weird cannibalistic people it might be a cult might be something going on but it's it's vampires um and what's really crazy to me because like you know it's definitely standalone there was no follow-up um legacy wise this thing is not regarded well this is like an actual cult movie it's not a, a super popular movie like halloween 3 where it always had fans it always had detractors and now people are like, oh, everybody always loved it. It's just, it's a cult movie. No, this is a cult movie. This is a movie like uh Blade Runner that has like maybe 40,000 fans. Um The Blu-ray that I have is actually from 2013. It was Code Red did, I guess, the 45th anniversary. Um, So there is a new one, hopefully right around the corner. I think it's been announced. I don't remember who's doing it. Um, but outside of, you know, when it gets theater play, this is something you'll find on like riff tracks and like, you know, absolutely for free on YouTube. There are people trashing it left and right. Uh, it's regarded as like a, a midnight movie. That's just absolutely terrible. Uh, I don't agree with that. Um, so as far as the subgenre of like what I would call surreal erotic vampire movies, um, I've done some solo reviews of my favorite French horror director. Uh, it's, uh, Jean Rollin, um, or as Justin would say, Gene Rollin. <laughs> and, um, I don't think you've seen any of his stuff. He's got some really like, so. fun campy 80s stuff that I, I would highly recommend, but his original stuff is all surreal vampires. Uh, started in the 60s and then he hits his stride in the early 70s. And then, in I believe it's a British film, it might be French and then half Italian. Uh, Daughters of Darkness in 71 or 72 is like a then modern Elizabeth Bathory story. And they really kind of bridge the gap from the old, you know, universal horror gothic vampire, which carried in through Hammer into this new modern like basically erotic vampires and they're all like swingers and then that goes into the whole like lesbian vampire thing um, but there, there was a boom of these movies so you know um, what was it William Huck and uh, Gloria Katz wanted to uh, cash in on that and I, I guess they were huge huge fans of Romero's Night of the Living Dead because they said that was their biggest inspiration and originally they were going for ghouls Um, because in the, in the original movie, they're not actually called zombies. They're called ghouls and they're kind of written as ghouls. Um, and then they basically were just like, Oh, you know, we got the moon. Let, let's just do a vampire thing. Um, What I love about it is it's kind of a wraparound frame story in the vein of the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, definitely something like In the Mountain of Madness. It's definitely got a noir vibe to it. And you can see a lot, lot of inspiration on things like Resident Evil and definitely Silent Hill, the whole, like, town covered in fog and the waves and everything. Um, And we keep going back to, like, she finds her father's diary, and rather than just, like, reading it outright... She will like keep going back to it in like voiceover narration throughout as we get more and more of the story filled in, as more and more people are like mysteriously dying. Uh, because it's not just like this woman wandering around town, like, first she goes into the town, she goes to the gas station, and then the uh albino guy shows up and he's already got a dead body yes. in his truck. Um, then he goes back and he kills the gas station attendant. And this all happens, like, almost every kill in this movie happens off camera but they're all yeah, very not, atmospheric and very effective.
1: Yeah, not very, like, bloody. No, definitely not. I'd say it's more,
0: like, nudity, and there's barely any, than there is any real, like, blood or violence in this movie.
1: Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was wondering, because I know, you know, typically you like the, you know, the good kills or the, you know, lots of uh people with clothes off, and this didn't really have either, which me. No, I mean, I, me. I, I
0: definitely do, and I mean, you will get that from uh, Roland, you will get that, obviously, from Fulgi, but this is kind of like I said, that bridge between like almost like 50s horror into, you know, 70s. And uh, there are going to be some limitations. But if the characters are great and the atmosphere is great, I can definitely yeah. look past that and get on board. For sure. Um, so then I- she finds like this uh, troupe of basically like, I don't know laissez fair hippie aristocrat swingers like some
1: weird throuple yeah yeah
0: you got you got tom and his two groupies and um we start to hear the legend from charlie who is a you know a drunk that is basically just entered entertaining them as like the court jester and um then he tells her like, he's like oh i'm i'm putting it on because otherwise they'll kill me and you know you can't tell about me um So the implication there is that, like, Charlie was also a vampire, but he didn't side with them, so they killed him. Um, And the legend is that, like, every hundred years, there's this blood moon, and it'll make the townspeople go nuts, and they all start, like, bleeding from their eyes, and then uh, the, the Dark One will return. So there's the Dark One, and then there's the actual messiah, who are two different people um and the fan theory implication is that tom is actually the dark one.
1: Wait, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, w- explain the theory again, sorry. So there's
0: sorry. the idea is that there's the dark one himself. Right. And then there's the Messiah of Evil. The Messiah of Evil is the preacher. And the dark one is, like, this separate entity that comes to basically reap everything that's left in the town.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: Now it's never been confirmed, and all the people who worked on the movie have basically denounced it. Um, so it's really, it's just, like, fan speculation. And I even, I went on, I uh, not IMDb, I went on Rotten Tomatoes just to see, like, you know, I wonder what something like this would rate. And, um... It's got seven critic reviews. It's it's rated positive, And then it's like an overwhelming audience negative reaction.
1: Yeah. Do you, like, today, do horror fans generally like the movie? Or?
0: It's just so obscure that most don't know about it.
1: Okay. Because, I mean, I got the vibe that the theater I was in. Most people seem to like it, I thought. But,
0: um. I mean, I think if you show it to, like, a sophisticated crowd, like I would say, people going to that theater for that kind of movie kind of know what to expect. Um, You know, there are movies like this that are, you know, getting their just due on Blu-ray, but it's so, so niche that, like, the average, even real horror fan would not know about it.
1: Yeah, um, I'm surprised it's, like, or was, maybe still is, regarded so poorly because... I mean, look. If people want to criticize, you know, the plot's a little thin. Okay, fair enough. But uh credits to Gloria Katz and uh, uh the other guy Willard. Um, I feel like like this is a great like example of just building dread in scenes. Like especially like um when she's like reading the book, and it'll like cut to the waves, mm-hmm. and like there's just this kind of like a uh, well, it's once that, you know, it's getting your heart rate up, like, ooh, like, what's cut co- like, like, you're wondering, like, what is coming next? You know, you feel like something not good is coming. Um, yeah, I feel like um, in terms, of, like, an exercise of just building suspense and stuff, this one is really good at it.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, even just rewatching it the other day, because what I really like to do is... Um, you know, watch things with sound and without sound, because usually, especially in a movie like this, like the soundtrack is going to really set the tone for the scene. And even if you're watching this one basically with no sound, just on subtitles, there's still that sense of dread, which is always a sign of, yeah, they did something right here. Yeah. Whereas uh, if you were to watch Halloween like that, there's no dread except for when he's already in the house, like, you know, trying to get her in the closet.
1: Right. Uh, in a way, it almost kind of reminded me of like uh, in terms of like the you know the spooky isolation of a town. Uh, I would say almost like a John Carpenter's The Fog. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely, um, absolutely. But even
1: that, that's kind of like a that one's very much contained. To like everything's you know, all the implications of what's going on just affect that town. Whereas this one, you kind of get that sense of like. Where like you know in the fog that's the beginning, middle, and end. Where it's like this this is just like the beginning as this messiah of evil returns to the world to, I guess presumably wreak havoc and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very just like a almost like a Lovecraftian type feel, of like very dreamy, like reality kind of breaking down as this like evil thing reenters the world. Um, yeah, really good and also really great cinematography. Um, I believe it was horror society who got this new print made and holy shit. The movie looked amazing. I thought, um,
0: I definitely can't wait for the next upgrade. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be their version or what, but yeah, Yeah,
1: if, if it's horse society doing it, if, I mean, the, yeah, anyone's interested the, by by that.
0: The grocery store scene alone. I mean, like Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite scene honestly might be the, uh, the theater scene. I really liked how that one was done. Just like, uh, I love the visual of, like, when she's just sitting there with all them behind
0: Mm -hmm. her. Uh, Yeah, there's so many, like, visual, like, I'm not going to say, like, you know, meme-worthy things. But, like, things that you would find in other movies that have become basically almost like memes. And, you know, you you just post that shot. People know what it is immediately. Like, you mentioned this movie online. No one knows it. No one has seen it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it definitely deserves more love. I would say, um, uh, because it's got, I mean, it's got a lot of things going for it. it even got, in my opinion, a very cool-looking, iconic poster. I'd, I'd hang that on my wall. Um, yeah. I guess in terms of negatives, I mean, for me, I, w- I wouldn't say the plot's negative. Uh, I actually really like the character of uh, what's her name, Art and mm-hmm. and uh tom but his two uh side chicks I, i'll be honest that i found them very disposable and not memorable at all
0: i like um, the dumber one the other one like i could do without because she's almost like she's playing like it's just a noir and she's a femme fatale and everyone yeah. else is in a horror movie
1: yeah um yeah, that's fair um also one thing i i was you know reading the wikipedia for this before we started Apparently the, like the you see someone killed at the beginning of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Apparently that's Walter Hill, like the director Walter Hill. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Which yeah. That, that was interesting. Um,
0: I think yeah, the, the beginning is like probably the only part that doesn't make sense to me because I'm not quite sure if that happened in the flashback or after.
1: Yeah, that scene honestly, it, it feels kind of like out of place. Like I, I it, yeah, like well, where's it even supposed to take place? Like who's doing what? Yeah, that that I would say it's I honestly could have done without. Um,
0: like it felt like they just wanted a a scene to like kick off their movie. But when I started thinking about it, I'm like, oh, well, this is like the opening scene of Jaws, and it's more effective there. Oh, this is like you know. Pretty much literally every slasher, but I'm like, oh, wait, all those things came after. So it's like, is this the first movie that really did this? I mean, you know, yeah, like Hammer Dracula, the opening scene, you have like just blood dripping on the grave, but that's not like really happening. That's just to set up the credits. So, uh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's effective, but it doesn't make any sense in context of the movie.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I, I could do with that. What- while that, that opening scene I'm not the biggest fan of I love, love the ending of this one with uh her in the asylum mm-hmm. uh and the the narration in this movie, I feel she uh what's her name? Mariana Hill, she nails it, like just hits a good tone with it. Um and yeah, this is one where initially I was like, Yeah, I like that, but it's kind of the more I think about it and just rewatching some scenes, it's growing on me more. Definitely wanna like rewatch it in full sometime
0: soon. I mean, I think she's the biggest strength of the movie because you know, she's not a super famous actress. She's not playing it with like, you know, total confidence and like, oh, I'm a bitch. It's like she's just like basically a lost child going through the motions and like she has no idea what's going on at any point. And then when she figures it out, it's basically it's too late. Yeah like even the scene in the art gallery with the blind woman and, and she's just like feeling up her face and like, you're like, all right, why is this happening like this? And she's just kind of like, you know, well I wanted to buy my father's stuff, but it was gone. And then Tom's like, Oh, we bought it all earlier. Or they wouldn't sell it to us. And she's like, you know, basically just takes his word for it. You know, doesn't even put up a fight. Right. Um. So another one that I think you'll like, even by suggesting it, it's, it's going to be a spoiler, although I'm not going to tell you the actual direction it goes to. Um, it believe it was 81 dead and buried. Dead and buried. Also wow. features a, a beach and waves, surprisingly.
1: I'll just check that out.
0: But yeah, no, I mean, this one, uh, it, it, sadly has not gotten its uh just due um what blew my mind was you know we're big Mike Flanagan fans we were watching Midnight Mass and probably by like the second episode I'm sitting there and I'm like holy shit is this what I think it is and I, I turned to Sarah and I was like I think this is like either a prequel or a remake to Messiah of Evil and she's like what the hell is Messiah Evil I was like I oh, will watch it later and as the show went on like I mean, they they never came out and said it. It's not point doom. And I think it, it would set like in modern times, but like holy shit, it's the same story, right down to the people like bleeding out of their eyes, and there is a Messiah of Evil, and there is a blood moon, and there is a rogue creature who's been alive for like a hundred years. And I mean it was I'm like Mike Flanagan, like you didn't rip this off, you just you did a fan fiction prequel. Like what the fuck? Interesting. I haven't seen that one. I would highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, I haven't seen any of his shows, but I've,
1: I've heard they're good. Um,
0: the first, Hill House was great. Didn't like Blind Manor. Midnight Mass was great. The one with the kids, I think it was called like Midnight Club, absolutely sucked. And uh, House of Usher was really good. I just didn't like where it went. And it's basically like every episode... Is a very forced modern recreation of an Edgar Allan Poe story, but then they like do actual Edgar Allan Poe quotes in the form of like full line poetry, and like the implication is he doesn't exist in that universe, which is just fucking bizarre. Because at one point they're watching like the Roger Corman *Pend the Pendulum* on TV, so interesting. But yeah, no, I would uh, I would absolutely recommend this. Um, If you want to pursue any of the uh, Roland films, um, like his first, it's not even in like a trilogy or a thematic trilogy, but you have um, the nude vampire, rape of the vampire, and then shiver of the vampires. Uh, And then he followed it up with Requiem for a vampire, which is my favorite. And that one is just absolutely fucking insane. It starts with two girls in clown makeup who have robbed a bank, who go on basically like a Bonnie and Clyde, Dumb and Louise spree, who basically get kidnapped by a sex called the Vampires with a Dungeon. It's literally <laughs> insane. Okay. Um, check he does out. a lot of really surreal stuff. And then in the 80s, he did like really fun, campy stuff. So his best of the 80s. Probably be Living Dead Girl or Night of the Haunted. But I mean, he has one called Grapes of Wrath, which is basically zombies because of wine. (laughs) And it's, you know, it sounds like it would be stupid, but it's it's actually really fucking good.
1: Let's check those out.
0: Um, I would definitely recommend Daughters of Darkness. I think it's on Tubi. It's definitely on something. And uh, yeah. That's that's about it.
1: Well, lots of stuff to watch.
0: Yep. So if I if I think of anything more, especially 70s, I will send them your way. Um, any final thoughts on it?
1: I would say, you know, check it out if you like stuff, kind of like what I mentioned, uh, uh, like the Beyond, Carnival of Souls, the more atmospheric stuff, you know, if yeah, you're looking for, Souls, if you're awesome. looking for like, you know, just like, Gore,
0: sex—definitely
1: not that. But I think the filmmaking is just really good. I would, really, yeah. I would
0: recommend it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just you know reinforce there. There is sex. There are plenty of kills, but you do not see any of it. It is almost all off-screen, all implied. Um, I mean, I guess the the mechanic gets crushed in the thing. You kind of see that, but yeah, yeah. Uh, most of it is left up to your imagination, which I think is why it's the most effective.
1: This is yeah. definitely
0: a movie to watch, like, you know, A, stoned, and B, late at night when you're, like, falling asleep. Yes. So, all right. All right. I guess we will leave it there, and uh, I will catch you on the next one.
1: Until next time.
0: All right, buddy. See it.
1: Peace.